real, uncensored. Fucking thing sucks. Unpredictable. You want anarchy? No. Ozzy the Sports Junkie. Only on Ozzy the Ozzy the Ozzy the, Ozzy the Sports Junkie.com. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Did you notice I put a new upper deck in? There's also there's lodge and uh, reserve and not all view seating. What the hell are you talking about? Up in the upper tiers here of the Sports Junkie Stadium. Oh. It's they got standing room only and lodge. Or was it loge? Do they have that Yankee Stadium loge seating? I, I call it mezzanine. I know. Thank you. And the other day, <laughs> a guy I was talking from New York. He's like, loge. Yay! Back in the Staley Studios, I was the sports junkie along with my good friend. You know him. You love him. Most people love him. And the people that don't love him can kiss my ass. Jake Jacobson. How are you, my friend? We are uh, joined by the hip. And it is always lovely to spend an hour or so. With you doing the No Holds Bar broadcast with Ozzy and Jake. So, yeah, I'm thrilled to be here, pal. A delayed start as usual. Have no, no, up. no, you're good. No, we're good. It's mid-afternoon on a sunny Sunday, a sunny Sarasota afternoon in August. And we're both in good moods. We Your are. Rays are playing fabulous. My Mets are playing. I don't want to jinx them, but, the, you know, they're playing good. They are playing good, and I, uh, well, I won't jinx it either. But they're talking, you know, maybe a little something after the regular season ends. Who knows? We'll see. A lot of good things happening in baseball. Then you got football. Askeel Elliott holding out. Jets and Giants open up their preseason Oof. on Thursday night. Oh, you got to be through the roof. Well, sort of. I'm psyched. It's on the NFL Network. I will watch it. But again, you're going to have a maybe a series played by the starters, quarterback, all that. And then the basically subs coming in. How so, come? How come? Uh, Teams like, uh, I don't know, let's just off the top of my head, New England Patriots. Belichick always gets Brady overwork in the preseason. And for teams that, well, let's say, haven't been so good, why would you pull a guy? Now, I can see a rookie guy like Darnold. But well, his let, second year now. In in our case, I should say my case, Tampa Bay's case, why wouldn't Winston get as much work as humanly possible? Because he's still got Fear. a lot of Look, things. I'll tell you what it is. You talk, they work in the, uh, you know, during practice. Sure. They don't want these guys getting hurt because there are guys on the other team that are trying to make the squad, and they will do anything. And if they can put a hit on Brady or any of the great quarterbacks out there, or any quarterbacks that's starting for a team, you're putting them in harm's way. And I, I, I do understand why these guys go should only be playing against the real legitimate starters of the other team's defense. Otherwise, it's bedlam, and it's fear factor. You got that right. And, but I would like to see what the offense, and I'd like to just some cohesiveness, especially in Tampa Bay's case where, I mean, sure you've got, I've never seen a more divisive uh, quarterback than, than Winston. Half the crowd's got him in the Hall of Fame. The half wants to take him out and back half and, the crowd and burn him in effigy. Does but not, I would no, say. No, stop it. Oh, easy killer. Half a crowd cannot, half the crowd does not think that Jameis Winston is a Hall of Fame. There are legitimately people who think he's the best quarterback in Bucks history. Statistically, doesn't make any difference. You know who he, who's he took, record he took over? Josh Freeman. Okay? I'm surprised that Dilfer didn't still have some records because he was here for about a good seven, eight years. Or was he? Maybe five years since no quarterback in Tampa Bay has ever had a second contract. You know, Doug Fernandes, Sarasota Herald uh, Tribune writer. Columnist. Columnist. Great guy. Well, sometimes. Um, no, Doug's a great guy. Very great opinionated. Guy. He, made, he brought up a very good point, which I'm going to use to do to, it. It's umptist, if that's a word. It's an Aussie word. Sure, well, I, th- I think it's a word. Sure, sure he's on his uh, a fifth-year option by the Buccaneers. Guess what? If he has eh, a marginal good season, they can franchi- franchise his ass next year, and they can get another extended look 
So it's it's it is do or die for Winston. But if he has, they can commit to just one year at franchise tag value. So really, it's not the end of the cliff for Winston. If he looks good, but still some warts, we don't want to give him a ten year. How about just a one year? What more? Look, you know they they have that option still. Yeah, so. Look, look, he's been nobody under, brings that up. He's been under a lot of coaches. He's got Arians now, another coach. Yes, Arians might be an offensive guru, a quarterback's coach and all that. But if he has a bad year or a subpar year or just mediocre year, he could always say, we've been through so many offenses and so can Arians. He could say, look, he's been through a lot, a lot of different changes. You know, he was not as comfortable as maybe I would have liked. Uh, so we'll give it, you know, second year, maybe he grasped the system. So there, you can look at it as a catch-22. It could be a good thing. That the fact that he's learning a new offense and maybe he thrives under it, or if he has a bad year, he can use it as an excuse. Well, doesn't it speak volumes that he's on his third coach? I mean, I mean, they don't hire and fire co- coaches based on the quarterback alone, but that's quite a uh, quite a uh, no, I, factor in deciding who's going to if you're going to keep or, or well not the, keep a coach based on wins and losses, and that goes to the quarterback and the defense and well the whole football team, but quarterback most especially. You got to look at wins and losses. You got to look at how he coaches, how his relationship with the players. Does he get the best out of them? There's a lot of things that are happening inside there that we can only speculate. Are you one of these guys, Jake, who believes well he didn't work there because the system didn't fit him? I mean, why would you draft these guys? Are such brilliant football minds. Why would you draft a player who didn't fit your system? Well, I mean, coaches have to adapt as well. That's, I mean, that makes a great coach. We've seen, as I said, you know, throughout our run here on No Holds Barred, that Bill Belichick is the greatest coach I've ever seen because he has adapted from this mastermind defensive coordinator to an offensive guru. Yes, he's had the help of Brady, but he has these guys coming and going on both sides of the, uh, of the you know, of the field, and also guys who are switching positions, go on from defense to offense and vice versa, and, and different offensive and defense coordinators because they're going off to get for other jobs as head coaches. The guy is a miracle worker. So coaches to be considered a great coach have to adapt to the players. If you're going to go after one specific player because you need a defensive end, but he's not in your system, you change the system for the player and make sure he adapts to the system. Otherwise, you don't draft him. That's a great point. Great point, Jake. How about the other way around? How about a player who's used to playing in a cover two zone, they go man-to-man? Shouldn't a good player be able to adapt to a different cover scheme? I, I think it's. I think if you're a good cover, you should be able to adapt to, you know, to a zone cover or, uh, 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 in that regards. But if you're a great cover two guy and you like zones, doesn't mean you're a great man, man for man, man. That's the best, the hardest job, as we know, especially because of the rule changes of the last, whatever, 15, 20 years of grabbing players and all that, is a cornerback. Cornerback has basically no help until they get to the center of the field. Right. They're one-on-one with the receiver who knows where he's going. It's a guesswork. you got to be quick. you got to be able to uh, change direction. You, you're almost like a running back that has moves, a Barry Sanders like if you're going to play a good cornerback. And then you have receivers that are 6'3", 6'4", now. So, you know, if you can combine size with speed and quickness, you can be a great cornerback. But it's the one job that I would not want to be in, in the NFL. Well, I would, I would think if you're at a cornerback or safety position and a top five round draft pick in the NFL, you got to be one hell of an athlete. So you'd think, okay, it might not be my specific scheme, scheme that I played in Clemson or LSU or Washington State, but I'm a damn good football player and I can adapt. Teach me how to play the diff- different way you want me to play. Yeah, but man and for I man is excel. a whole, man for man, a man, for is man is a, a different game. ball game. And if you can't do man for man, you're not a cornerback. But if you're you, going to safety. You're not a quarterback in the NFL if you don't have speed. You're not some walk-on. I'm talking about... They've drafted five, seven guys in the last three years at the 
cornerback and safety position, and they're still up in the air about who's are. To me, as we know, safety is more of a, a you know a guy who can take the uh, take wants to do some punishment. Sure, you know he's more freelancing out there, looking, making reads and, and reacting to them. To me, it's a lot easier to play a free safety or a strong safety than it would be for a cornerback. Again, one one position I would not want to play in the NFL. I love you know defense is great. You get to hit guys. Is playing a cornerback because it is a lot of guesswork and and again adapting and reacting to situations. And that hitch and that stutter move, and he goes by you. You're done, and, and you, you feel like there's no person more alone on the field than when you get smoked for a touchdown. You're dead. You yeah. look like an idiot. Plus, you also have to tackle. Now, Deion Sanders was. You know, one of those Hall of Fame cornerbacks because he had great speed. He was able to, if he got busted up on a play, he had enough speed and quickness to get back in the play, but he could never tackle. The best that I ever saw really on a day-to-day basis or a game-to-game basis was was Daryl Revis because he played for the Jets and I watched him every game. For a seven- or eight-year period, they called it Revis Island. There was nobody like him because not only can he cover, but he could also tackle. And he will hit you. And he can make big plays. And he's giving time of the game when it's needed. He was the best I have ever seen in my lifetime as a Jet fan, as a Jet player. And we saw him here in Tampa, two-year experiment. Or was it a one? I think it was just one. One year, and the experiment just didn't work and at all. And he went back to the Jets, and, and he, that was pretty much it. He went to the Patriots it. for like one half a season or something? He won a Super Bowl with them. He won a Super Bowl? Then he went back to the Jets to sign a five-year deal. Did he even play that out? I don't think he no, did. No, 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 no. He retired he was, a very he, wealthy he, man. A very wealthy. He was... Look, he was a smart businessman, and he took like what's happening with as Keel Elliott. You know, after this entering his fourth year, he knows he's a great running back. He knows he's very important to Dallas. He saw what Levy and Bell did last year. Levy and Bell a little bit older, so Zeal as Keel Elliott is like the tenth highest paid running back. He's only going to get I think, which to us is a lot, but I think between four with bonuses, maybe six million dollars when he's worthy of nine or ten million dollars a year. So I understand the situation. Look. Revis played hardball with the Jets, and he won out. Why? Because the fans and the media are harped. You know, you got to get this guy. He's the best in football sure. at that time. You need him. The cornerback is like a, a quarterback of defense. You need great cornerbacks because that sets everything up. It frees you or a linebacker or a strong safety from double teaming. And concentrate on the ball in front of them. Correct. Of everybody back pedaling because we're going to get smoked. They're going to yep. throw through the air all day long. And then when you do that, of course, the average running back can Blast on through the line. And, I mean, every year, Jake, for the last decade, or decade plus, we can go 20 years, the Buccaneers, and even in their worst days in the creamsicle of the old sombrero, and even in some of the early days, well, by the time they got to the new stadium, the Dungy was there and the team was moving uphill fast. But the back in the horrific shit days at the old sombrero, even when they were 2-14, and 14, they always had hammers on defense. They always had a good, strong safety uh, the the Ricky Reynolds, the Harry Hamiltons had like five touchdowns returned. They had some Hugh Greens. Of course, Leroy Selman back, if you want to go way back. They were always a hard-hitting team, a lot like the Bears were when I was a kid in Chicago. They sucked, but they had Doug Plank and Gary Fensick. Yeah. And they had guys who just hammer you over the middle. The Buccaneers have lost that hammer. They do not have the hammer anymore, and it's a shame. Of course, it continued on with Lynch. And Lynch was a, uh, you know, Brooks and Sapp and is, a, a Hall of Fame defense. Abso- absolutely. And, and but let's look at Barber. I mean, he, oh. how many years? I mean, he his longevity surpassed what Darrell Revis uh, did. Maybe even Deion Sanders. I, I should look that up to see. There was Barber's. some debate uh, specifically from one Portuguese pirate, Doug Fernandes, that Barber's not a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. I said, Hall of are Famer. you out of your mind? He holds uh, at least three or four records. The most uh, return touchdowns and sacks for a defensive back, if I'm not mistaken. If I am, I stand corrected. 
He's he's the best the Bucks have ever had in their career since the 1970s. He might be the and he might be the greatest cornerback uh, they'll ever have. I'll tell you what, I, I, how there's any debate. John Lynch, okay, you can maybe debate it because he didn't put up the gaudy numbers, but I defy you to find a harder hitting safety in the 90s than John Lynch. And I think there's guys lesser than John Lynch in the Hall of Fame. John Lynch was, again, you, when you look at great defenses, you look at the Giants of 86 with Lawrence Taylor and the, Brad, Brad and, the Bears. and everybody, and the Bears, which to me for one season was the greatest you know, 11 men on the defensive side. They were just, you know, shutting out people left and right in the playoffs and all that. They were just an amazing dominating force. And then the Giants were a step below that. Over a period of, you know, seven, eight, nine years, and again, free agency has a lot to do with it, to me, the Pittsburgh Steelers were the greatest I've ever seen. I think they're all in the Hall of Fame. Linebacker, cornerback, safeties, all of them. It's easy to say the 85 Bears, and I I would lean that way too. The Buccaneers are in that top 10 list for their, their Super Bowl season. The, actually, it's funny you mentioned that, Jake. Sports Illustrated, I think it was yesterday, came out with the greatest Super Bowl teams ever. Bears number one. Greatest teams ever. I, look, I don't they, know. They, I, they weren't the most well-balanced offense. I mean, they had McMahon, who was you know hot and cold. Of course, they had the Hall of Famer, maybe the greatest running back ever, and uh, Walter Payton. Willie was, Galt. Galt was a speedster, didn't have the greatest hands, but he was a speedster. Their offensive line was okay. They were led, really, by, when you think about it, as crazy McMahon was, they all respected him. And he was a guy who would take a hit, hence the situation he is in now, having these all these issues with his head. Right. Headaches and uh, forgetting things. He's in that, uh, whatever they would call it, CBG. CBGB's, the club in New York. I spent many a night there. No, I've not been there. It's it's not even open anymore, is it? I'd imagine it's probably open in retro form. It might be. They probably reopened it. They might. Because anything like that that, that's popular, wouldn't you think somebody, if you're in New York and it's 2019, wait a minute, nobody has CBGB's? I'm going to open CBGB's and like spell it out so I don't get copyrighted. Yeah. I would. I would. Why wouldn't you? Who well, the hell? Well, who are you? What tourist? <laughs> <laughs> what tourist? I'm Ozzy's sports junkie, goddammit. And you're yeah. Jake Jacobson. And this is No Holds Barred with Ozzy and Jake. There's a few other podcasts on there. People are, are, are getting a lot of heat that I went to it. And there's, are you guys talking that wrestling bullshit? I said, no, ma'am. We are not. This was a, a woman in Publix actually asked me this. Are you talking that goddamn wrestling shit? I said, no, ma'am. We talk a lot of football, baseball, and, uh, you know, guy-related things. Oh, my husband listens to that pussy shit. <laughs> I like to watch Fox with that Stone Phillips. Or what the hell is his name? That uh, creepy-looking guy with the glass eyes. I hear he's a little sweet, sweet in the pants. What is his name? This, uh, the, who's the Fox guy, Jake? You wouldn't know. The Fox St- guy? Not Stone Phillips. He's the MD- Oh, you're talking. The, uh, oh, hold on a second. He's uh, very creepy, and I... Well, it didn't help, but I found out his personal situation. King, uh, Alan, not Alan King. Alan King was a, yeah, a, a sports belt comedian. Very uh, funny. Yes, very funny. Uh, uh, Simone, a uh, shepherd. Sam, oh, Sam, uh, Shepard's great. Shepard Smith. I, I respect Shepard Smith. I respect what's his name, Chris Wallace. Chris Wallace. Also, because you know why? His father was Mike Wallace. They tell you what they see and what we heard. They yeah. don't tell you what we heard isn't really what you're hearing. Shepard's a little. Well, it, look at the network that he's on. Depends what network you work with. Um, no, yeah, I didn't know. You know, I didn't know forever that Chris Wallace was Mike Wallace's son from, yes. from 60 Minutes. Uh, see, you know, we're about 20 minutes into the show. It's hot in here, and I want a little cold drink. How about yourself? Uh, well, thank you. Yes. Tonight's show brought to you by either two places. <laughs> I'll give them both little props. Island Gyms Bar and Grill on Beneva and Weber. They've, they've been open about, oh, about two months now. 
total rehaul of what it used to be. I won't even mention what it used to be because who cares? Because it's all crystal clean, new facilities. You go in there, a beautiful new bar. What's this? It's called... It's called Thirsty Gym, Salty Gyms, Salty Gyms Island Bar and Grill. Weber and Beniva behind. There's oh, it's a four corner strip mall here. You mentioned this. Six you got to go over there with ago. me. Oh, sure. If you could stay for five minutes after a show before racing out, I know. See, Jake has a car waiting for the whole show, and they'll come around and come around and honk, and then he come. I don't like when he comes by and he taps his watch and looks in here at me. I think that's a little put off off putting, but I know you're a busy guy. You must have been real busy with that. Did you call in six for work yesterday for that doubleheader? No, I, I got to <laughs> tell you what I did. And I'm, I'm going to give you Rondé Barber's stats in a second. Okay, because they're, they're impressive. I'll tell you what I did. It's unbelievable, the longevity of Rondé Barber. But yesterday, with the Mets playing a 4 o'clock game, uh, I had to go to, uh, which was very nice, a gathering at a friend's house, right, literally 50 yards from where I live in, a, in, in one of the condos there. The Ivory we Tower. Went up there. It was at 5 o'clock. And it was in the, uh, let's see, the third inning of the Met game, the first game of the doubleheader, so I paused it. Okay. Went up there, got back at uh, about 10 to 7, sure. and I started up again. And then I would slowly fast forward it. Now, the second game I find out, you know, I see a flash on my TV, uh, second uh, Met doubleheader about to start. So I take my phone, I put the original game on without the sound, so if they talk about the first game, I don't know. So I'm watching the, or the second, right, so I'm watching the first game on pause you know and i'm speeding it forward and i'm watching the small uh, the second game on my phone oh double dipping it was i have never done anything like that before so in my life in your mind you were watching two live met games at once correct wow so i anyway, didn't catch the second half a game how did they do it was the mets were down four to two in the eighth inning right right or seventh inning uh, they get a homer by J.D. Davis, who's had a terrific year filling in for, uh, for Cespedes. And now that uh, Dominic Smith is out, he's playing full-time left field, playing great, hits a home run. Then they get two outs. So they're down four to three, two outs in the seventh inning. Might have been the eighth, whatever it was. Seventh inning, Conforto hits a home run. It's now 4-4, right? Because 4-3 after the da- Davis homer. Gotcha. Conforto hits a homer, ties it up. Next batter, Alonzo unties it with a home run, they go on to win 5-4. I like Alonzo. Boy, is he due for a pay bump next year? He's fun. Wow. He's making almost the minor league or the major league minimum, isn't he? he, He's a legitimate rookie, and the fact is most rookies come up in September the year before, and they get, uh, you know, they get they don't get enough of bats not to be considered rookies, but they get a chance to taste major league baseball, and if another team is in a pennant race, they might bat against some of the great pitchers. Alonzo never called up last year. The Mets didn't think he was ready defensively to play, so they left him down uh, uh, out of the lineup. And this year, his first time up was his first time up ever in a major league. So he is a legitimate rookie without an aback coming into this year. He's going to be a legitimately wealthy man he will be. coming into next year because, well, my God, he did, your son had a great quote. He doubled his salary winning the uh, home did. run derby. He did. He got a million dollars out of that, and I think he's making four or $500,000. Oh no, they're not going to pay him big time. They got a, years. It's five years before you can become a free agent. But if he has another big next year, a big, the, the, if he has another big time next year, I would do what they did with Longoria. Early on, they tied him up for a reasonable lock amount, him. but you lock him up for four or five years. At, it, I guess at this point in his life, $35, $40 million would be a legitimate, nice. It would met, and that wouldn't cost the Mets a lot for them, six or $7 million a year, but it would tie up uh, at, at a low ball price uh, for Alonzo. So, I mean, that's maybe the way I'd work. Well, you know, you're not salary 
uh, arbitration eligible, but you, you he will get a bump. I mean, oh, there, uh, there uh, is arbitration yes. involved in next year's deal. He won't come in next year with this year's contract. Oh, absolutely not. The so what? So what the hell is the difference in the five year? You, that five year, you can you can shut it down completely and just say I'm a free agent. After five years, you become a free agent. Uh, obviously, on the five year deal. Correct. But what's the what's the protocol, if you will? What's the governing circumstances where he goes into next year, what legal leg does he have to stand on to say, hey, how about a little pay bump? I hit 35 fucking home runs. I don't know if as a second-year player you can go to, if you're eligible for arbitration. I don't know how many years. I know free agency is five years. Arbitration, I'm not sure. But if the Mets are smart, they're not going to, they're not keeping them at four. Uh, I think the minimum salary is, let's say it's $500,000, which is amazing. I think it's even higher than that, but it's under a million. Oh, That's I, amazing too. You got to bump them up right off the Absolutely. bat. Absolutely. Because, well, the Rays went through that here. You see that Snell, he got a pay bump, and he was still under a rookie deal. I think they do. What do they do? That they should keep the guy happy. I think it's just a cost of living. Yeah, well, it's a cost of. He's got thirty five now, Jake. There's a month and a half left. He might hit fifty. Uh, yeah, he was in a slump after the. He had three after the All Star game and didn't hit one for like I, I don't know how many bats, but it was a long time. So last night was a big one to come off the snide and hit the home run to go ahead and uh, actually win the game. All right, Rodney Barber. Okay, lay, lay it on me because the numbers are impressive. This, this is the weird thing about Rodney Barber. He started in 1997, ended his career in 2012, which I think is 17 years, which is even 16 years. It's a ridiculous w- amount of time to play in the NFL. And uh, the first year, they only have him playing one game, so I don't know what happened. I have no idea. But for the next, from 1998 to his retirement in 2012, he played every single game. And you can make an argument he's the greatest buck ever. Yeah. He's, he really could. He, not, so in his second year, he started nine games. His third year, he started 15, so it must have been an injury. And from there on in, he started every single game as a cornerback. Now go to the gaudy stats he put up. You know, it's hard with a, with a cornerback to because a lot of guys, you don't throw their way. Sure. You know, you hear about deflections, three. But you Dion. think that's not a lot? Yeah. Well, it's not a lot because, first of all, a lot of guys aren't throwing your way. And secondly, a lot of guys aren't hitting their targets, so you don't have a chance to deflect. Hence the term shutdown corner. It shuts that receiver out. You don't look that way. You don't look that way when Dion's on Jerry Rice. All right, total TDs in his career of, uh, let's say, well, let me just make sure I get it. Let's cancel out the first year because he only played one. I game. know he had a sack, Three, touchdown, four, five, uh, sack five, five. touchdown interception record. I believe. All right, 15 years, not counting the first year, which he only played one game. And again, every one but one, he started every single game and played every single game. That means that he was never injured. And if he was, he played through injury. He did. He had 18 TDs. He had uh, 13 fumble recoveries. Uh, Interceptions, he had 47. Wow. How the hell is that not a freaking hall? Frank Fernandez is high as a kite. Not a Hall of Famer, my ass. I'd say it be, how he didn't get on the first ballots beyond. Look, the fact I don't. It doesn't tell me here how many Pro Bowls he plays in, played in, but I, I bet a lot. Uh, but sixteen years as a stud performer, ah, you don't play sixteen years unless you have durability and you're good. And how about the fact or great interceptions combined with how many sacks did he have? He had twenty-eight sacks. Twenty-eight sacks. That's ridiculous for a for what a five-nine, one hundred sixty-five pound guy. Yeah. That is years. asinine. That's a sack and get half a year. Get him a beer. Aussie, Aussie. Obama loves him, but get him a beer, man. Yeah, that and he's a hell of a broadcaster. I'll go so far as to say he's better than his brother. His brother quit the Giants in the prime of his career because he thought he had a big gig at NBC. Tiki. 
and then banged a girl with his wife eight months pregnant in New York. Even the New York crowd said, no, we're not going to. We don't like that, son. We do not like that. So he has crawled his way back. He's now on CBS Sports in the afternoon with Tierney or whoever it is. But he's he doesn't hold a candle to Ronde. I don't think in the words of uh, Donald Trump, you're only good if you don't get caught. That's true. I mean, everybody who knows what Ronde does in his spare time. Maybe he's out killing kittens or something. No, don't. Stop. He does a great job. I think he's a fine, and that's not being a homer. 5'10", he's a uh, 100. Is Steve there? That's Five. Ronde now. He's got a lawyer yeah. on us. No problem. Jesus. No, no, no Ronde, we love you. 5'10". Oh, my God. Your wife's representing him. This is going to be ugly. 184 pounds, 44 years of age now, uh, 1,005 tackles. So if he, he's 44. He retired seven years ago, so he retired at the age of 37. Oh, so, so he's playing at you know, 20, 21 years old. Oh, yeah, absolutely. How about this, Jake? When you see old highlights of the mid-90s Buccaneers through the Super Bowl era, late 90s, mid-early 2000s, you'll see it on a typical play, five Hall of Famers. Sapp, Brooks, Lynch, Barber. That's ridiculous. Well, that's how you win World uh, Absolutely. Four, that's how you win. Four Hall yeah. of Famers. There's only freaking set 11 guys on the field. Half of them are on the Hall of Fame. And they had, you know, they had uh, work done and they had... I mean, they just uh, all started running backs, and they had, you know, they had a great quick guy, and that's when they used two back systems. Lynch was a great blocker; he's a great guy with short, you know, third down or fourth down and short, and um, you know, they were solid. They were, they were, you know, the de- the defense ran the team, but they were solid. And having Johnson at quarterback was a uh, huge deal for them. All right, well, that was then. This is now, and you you tie into this for two ways. A, we're in Tampa Bay. We cover the Buccaneers. We talk Bucks football. I'll get to a little announcement if you haven't heard it at the end of the program. But your guy, former Jets head coach, is down there with Bucko Bruce looking to turn the defense around in Tampa Bay, which you can say all you want about Jameis, pro, con, whatever. The defense has been worse than the offense in Tampa Bay the last three or four years. No question, Jake. That defense has been a complete and utter sieve. They couldn't stop anybody. So Bowles comes in with a quite a resume of running good defenses. And it, so far in camp, I, I really don't take a whole lot of, of uh, weight in what goes on in camp. Such as, sure, a rookie standout can look good or a rookie standout can look horrible. But get, put it on the field and let's, let's see what happens. But the, the fact remains, the Buccaneers, an NFL low, 30, 30 points a game last year. 30 points a game they average. And they've allowed more combined wait, wait, points wait, wait. than Buc- any NFC team in the last decade. All right, the Buccaneers' defense allowed 30 points. 30 points a game right. allowed by the defense. They've allowed more points, Jake, than any other team in a decade, the last decade. That is, like, historically bad. So, they've chewed up and spit out 10 coordinators in a do- 10 coordinators in close to a decade. That's not a good record either. No. Bowles comes in. He's had success. In Arizona. Well, he was also Did, the defense coordinator in Arizona for Bruce Arians. Right, so, so they're reunited and it feels so good. He didn't have a good season in, in New York. Things no, happened. It's a tough town to coach. He wasn't a great head coach. He was a good guy. Very. The problem I had, <clears throat> and I don't mind a guy who doesn't have the uh, you know the craziness of a Pete Carroll running up and down the sidelines sure. and all that, the jubilation and the joy or the Rex Ryan personality. But there was no life, and that bothered me. I, he, I think he knows his X's and O's. I don't think he understood enough about the other side of the ball, even though a defense coordinator you know, puts together a game plan against an offense. Or maybe he just wasn't good enough to bring in the right people. The bottom line is success as a defensive quarter 
a, a, a defensive coordinator, not so much as a head coach. So why not? Arians feel comfortable with them. Uh, Cardinals played great. They went to a Super Bowl as him as the defense coordinator and Aaron's as the coach. So maybe things can be turned around with Bowles. Well, we, you know, he he takes over after Mike Smith last year was shown the door halfway through the season, reluctantly, according to some by uh, head coach Turd Cutter. They were giving up 34, 34 and a half points when Smith got shown the door. He's trying now at the NFL Network. He looks very uncomfortable. How come these guys, they can't have one day off? Their agent's like, I got your job. You're going to cover Sunbelt football. I need you over there at noon tomorrow. See? Yeah. Take some time off. Jesus Christ. They don't get one day off. Every coach that gets fired the next day, they're on the set, the set of something. Uh, what is that, Jake? I, I, is that to keep their face in the public eye to get another head coaching gig? You can't add every coach who gets fired gets a job Every the next goddamn day. one of them. That is so untrue and unfair. Ass. Name a coach who got fired is not on the set of the NFL uh, Network, or the NFL Network, CBS, and NBC the next week. Everyone. Rex Ryan. My turd cutter was on there. Well, he got a job in Atlanta. He's not unemployed anymore. Mike Smith was on either the NFL channel or he was about as bad because I've seen now. I didn't watch any Bruce Arians games last year where he was behind the mic. He was horrible. And he all admitted so. Who, it, Arians? Arians, yeah, he did it. Uh, I listen, I thought he was, AB, you know, uh, NBC. He, he was, um, you know, he was on the lower end scale, sure. of course, because that's how where you start. You build your way up if you're really good. He's a nice guy. He's fun. He's he humorous. Fun. He's did you he knows see, the game. I didn't have a problem with him. Did you see the uh did you see the uh Andrea Kramer piece? She was down there in Tampa last week interviewing Bucko Bruce. I didn't. Here's not a here's a here's a stat that well Buck fans might want to wise up to. It's rather disturbing. Bruce Arians with his oh, I think he's got eight combined coaching head coaching years under his belt. All eight. He's been hospitalized midseason. <laughs> He's not, not had one season where he's not been hospitalized at some point. You better have a good assistant coach. His face, it, it probably wouldn't take long. He's probably got a very slow flat or a very low flashpoint, Jake, to get set off. What about a four-pick Jameis learning curve Sunday and a 120-degree 1 o'clock game? He's just going to explode. All you're going to see is blood and a red hat. You have to have an air conditioning following somebody holding up an air conditioning, following them around. That is not that far off base. I would have those those portable ACs. I've seen them. They work great. They have them at concerts now. When for, so the bands on stage in the middle of the day in Florida, it's dangerously hot out there. So Sunday is the game. No, it's not this Sunday. I'm saying Sunday as the game. When, when is the Buccaneers first? Buccaneers play game? Saturday night. I'm sorry, Friday night in Pittsburgh. All right. Well, all Friday right. night Pittsburgh against the Steelers. What a weird scheduling snafu. Usually it's the same cast of characters, Dolphins, Falcons, you know, someone uh, regional. They always end against the Texans, though. Is there a worse game? I've never left a game early, and I know I'm repeating myself on several different platforms, but I didn't tell you this one yet. Not about a decade ago. You know how crazy you are and I am about leaving games early. Can't do it. Won't do it. Yeah, unless you're away. I mean, if there's a 15 nothing game in baseball, it's the seventh inning. I might head out of there. I might think about, you know, heading for the exit. Of course, they, they shut off beer. You know, let's go. Oh, I'm hungry. Fuck this. <laughs> I went with my base, my late bass player, Tony, who was a big box fan. He had a couple ducats to a game four. And they, I don't know why it is, they get they pull this card. And uh, Texan fans probably ask the same question. Why do we get the Bucks? They always play the Texans game four. And if there's anything more useless and more meaningless than a game four preseason game, yeah. there wasn't one starter in the game from the kickoff. Yeah. We're the end zone. It's pouring rain. We left, I don't know, 10 minutes to go in the first quarter. I said, Tony, this sucks. I don't want to be here. Would you mind if we went home? There's only one game. 
third game is the only one that matters. If you want to say it matters, because most of the starters play three quarters. Sure. But as a fan, you know you're going to watch peek in at every Absolutely. preseason game. I want to look at players. I, I want to, do too. You know, a couple of acquisitions for the Jets. They had a couple of acquisitions. Ty Montgomery from the uh, Packers and the uh, Ravens. He had the big miscue in, in the game uh, that really hurt the uh, Packers' chances last year. Jets picked him up. And what I'm reading about him, fabulous player. Quick. He's, uh, he's going to be a running back, but he also played receivers. So he can come out of the backfield. And uh, he's very excited about being part of Of course, they're all excited about being part of you. Whatever team drafts you. I'll tell you what, Jake. You know what I'm excited about? Beer, first off. Cold, just plethorous. There's another Aussie word. Plethorous amounts of the cold and salty. Salty. The more people I tell about Bud Light Orange, the more they hate it. Which only lets, lends me to, be, to believe that there's more for me. I have so many people that have come up to me and say, you ever try this? I go, yeah. They go, I never tried it. Is any good? I go, you like the lime beer? They go, yeah. I go, it's better. It's more For me, it's much more refreshing. The I orange? Like the, yeah, I like the flavor better than I the love lime. Or- my, my whole life, Jake. But I, lime, man. Way before I moved to Florida, I loved the color orange. And I even more than that, if there was a popsicle lineup, orange. I mean, it's, just, it's my default flavor. It's my default color. And the fact that they have Bud Light Orange, and now they have Coke Orange, as in Coca-Cola, not the... Well, they have, co- they have Coke. Imagine that orange-tinted Coke. It doesn't come in an eight ball. It comes in a, a tangerine. Coke hey, you want to split a tangerine Saturday night? <laughs> I'm trying. You know what? I'm trying to think. Did I try that or the Coke Vanilla? It's Actually, I, I, regret, I digress. It's Coke Orange Vanilla. It's like a... Uh, what did I... D-fucking-licious, uh, buddy. Delicious. You know those soda machines where you can pick your own flavors? You're not a big soda guy, are you? No, I I stay off the sugar. What do you drink when you eat a sandwich? Water? Gatorade and seltzer mix. So I get the carbonation with the Gatorade. I was going to say, Gatorade ain't no good for you, buddy. And I also have lemonade. I'm an English major. Ain't. As I bust my girlfriend's balls for using improper English and I drop an ain't bomb. My grandmother must be rolling. Um, Speaking of announcements, Jake. Yes. It was last Sunday. This has been in the works. Well, been in the works for 15 years. 15 years ago. You were divorced 15 years ago? No, not that. That's old freaking news, man. What did you say then? I said 15 years ago, yeah. I had a guy, a sports, a late night show on 1280 here in Sarasota. I was on from divorced? the, I mean, this was a dynamite time slot from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Monday through Friday. I didn't give a shit. I wanted to be on the air. They liked me. And I take a microphone. You don't got to ask me twice, buddy. I was there with bells on. Never missed one day in two years. Not one day in two years. And I worked a full-time job. And the first year, non-gratis. Because I owed the money. I owed money to the stations. They took it off what I, I owed them. Well, you did 11 a, a p.m. to 1 a.m. time slot. And then you had a, a slot. And you, then you had I had to be up work at 7. Uh, you can't. Two years? Oh, no, my God. No Fridays, came, lo- Fridays came along, dude. And I was drog, oh, it's, dogging, And it's dragging. showing now. Oh, would you get a hold of yourself and have a goddamn beer and I just listen to Lack of sleep. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it too. At any rate, I met a guy named Lee. He was from uh, St. Petersburg. Had a Bucks website because you know you, you're looking for content. I don't know if he contacted me. Contacted me. I contacted him. So Lee came down from St. Pete, met me at what's now a Gecko's over there at the Interstate on uh, Fruitville and 75. Actually, I live right across across the street from there now, and. uh he came down at least twice a week for almost the entire football season. I said, this guy's about as dedicated as I am because he was just doing it for the exposure himself. Great guy. We hit it off. We, we played off each other well, talked Buccaneer football pretty much nonstop, but other things. He was from Southern Illinois. We had Chicago connections and what have you. And 
we actually watched the draft where the Bucks that night the Bucks drafted Josh Freeman. I liked the pick. He hated it. He threw a bag of his, his uh, bar peanuts at the TV and said, this guy sucks, and ha- he hated him. So, also, I mean, I had a, a truck with no top and no windows. One night it was 28 degrees, and he had to help me push. So a long, funny history. At any rate, I'd heard him on some Tampa stations. I'm like, hey, he's doing okay. And then this domination of, I mean, hands down, when you want Bucks information, you go to one site, and it's Joe Bucks fan, and that's my friend Lee D. Kemper and Steve Isbitz. They put this thing together over a decade ago, and they've turned down very lucrative offers to sell that thing, Jake. And, well, the numbers don't lie. Over 7 million page views, or not page views, 7 million unique visitors yearly to JoeBucksFan.com. 17 million page views, meaning they get on there, and they click, and they click, and they click. I am now on there. The Aussie podcast is on there. It debuted Sunday night, and it debuted to pretty. Of course, there's haters. I love the haters. I love uh, uh, critiquing. And I, and honest to God, Jake, I take criti- uh, criticism, good or bad, and I try to dial it in. And I understand. Sure. I understand people. If if I was talking too fast, I was pumped up. If I'm a little passionate, guess what? They gave me that gig. I had a whole list of guys that, that I, as on my resume that I could bring in, and they said, "We we don't want that." You can bring them in. Bring them in if you want to. We just want you, your passion, your buccaneer. We can tell you. you look at you. Your face is all red, screaming at, at uh, Ferg's at two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. I said, "Well, I love my football team, man, and I, it I'm, and it comes across on the air, I guess." And that's how I got the gig. And I'll be doing pre pregame all year long, in addition to out and about events, uh, watch parties, because the show will be released on Joe Buck's fan, but it's on iTunes. It's on every platform. Available and I'm talking. They've got Todd Wright, former ESPN night to, uh, all night with uh, sure. Todd Wright. They've yeah. got Hall of Fame writer Ira Kaufman, who just brings it. I mean, talk about a guy who's in. He's best buddies. Listen, this is a good friend to have. He's best buddies with the owner and the line setter at the Westgate, which pretty much sets the line for every game in the country. Imagine being friends with a guy who sets the line for every game. That is a connection to have. So if you're not familiar with it, where the hell you been? But if you aren't, JoeBucksFan.com. I'll be doing a midweek show, kind of a rat or recap of last Sunday's. I look forward to this Sunday's and the pregame show, and it's going to be a wild one. Is it a li- it's a live podcast? It is not be- live. It's not. The podcast will be pre-recorded. It'll be released Sunday morning for your view for your listening pleasure, and because you know you're out in the parking lot of the of the Ray J, or whether you're back in your pool in uh, Sarasota, Venice, anywhere in Tampa Bay, anywhere in the world. You want to hear some raucous Buck talk. You want to hear a real sports fan, uncensored, unscripted Bucks talk, a little bit of music, a little bit of craziness, a little bit of insanity, and a little bit of real solid information as you get game ready. It's not going to just be sophomore ball jokes about, you know, stupid, typical football guy stuff. There's going to be a ton of that, Jake. It's going to be informative, crazy, and I couldn't be happier. And, I mean, Sunday night, it was funny because you had just texted me. I was out in my garage jerking around. I got in the show. I played out Friday night in a five o'clock club. five o'clock club. Went off Hill well, view. went off with many a hitch, but what a reception we received there! And it's getting that thing's starting to build as well. Um, you called me. You sent me a nice text Sunday. I was all day working in my garage, straightening shit out, and I kept hearing my phone chirp, 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 chirp. I have the Aussie the Sports Junkie uh, website where it's set where if anybody goes on it, I can look down and see who it is. It's going pop, 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 pop. Pop, 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 like popcorn in the microwave. Pop, 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 pop. And I was, I'll be honest with you, I sat down for a little business in the commode 
And uh, I got to talk, give my book. Ah, look at Jake. Hey, how'd your show go? I'm like, God damn that Jacobson. What a sweet guy. Wants to know. Went well, Jake. I said, I'm not sure. And just as you, just as you were texting and I were texting, I see, boop, followed you. Program director of a, the, the, the only station in Tampa followed me all of a sudden. I said, I'm pretty sure my, my podcast just started in Tampa. Sure as shit it did. I got out there and my phone almost burnt a hole in the nightstand. I mean, probably 1,200 visits that night to the, the website. Tons from England. England. Scottenborough, Edinburgh, London. Did you use Dortsmouth, your, Portsmouth. Did you use your English accent at all? No, but the, you should know this. Having an English, having married an Wife, English woman. Yes, I have. And having visited the, the, uh, yes. the beautiful hillsides yes. of the UK. Yes. That a lot of the uh, UK citizens vacation in Florida and a lot of them are Buccaneer fans. They have a huge Buccaneer following over there. So it's, it's continued till today. I was on there this morning. A lot of haters, a lot of lovers. A lot of people love me. A lot of people hate me. Hey, man, as long as you listen... And the show's going to get better and better and better. They can't be happy. The two Joes are, are beyond happy. They're beyond thrilled. I'm beyond thrilled. I'm floating on cloud nine. And to, you should be. To be associated with the only source. These guys, it's bizarre how much they know. If the Buccaneers name comes up on anything, and I know there's filters you can set on like Google for any news that pops up regarding an, any topic yes. under the sun. Alerts. Alerts. I mean, if, if there's a word set on any show anywhere, it's on Joe Buck's fan. So check it out. This, you can... Uh, Go to just, I think if you just follow Joe Buck's fan on the iTunes or Google Play, you get all the shows or you can get mine specifically. It's just ridiculous how, how happy I am and how thankful I am for Lee and Steve and Joe Buck's fan. It's going to be a wild season, Jake, and you're going to be a part of it too. I'm going to be out there. Well, it'll be tough to get you out on a Sunday, but. It ain't happening. Oh, Bull, I, yeah. how about a midweek coaches show, you Jets, bastard? Jets are off. Yeah, if your I Jets are off, I, I don't blame you for not wanting to go out at, Sunday on a night Sunday night football. And Sunday night for a bitch. I'll go out there with you. How about this? The oldest and male for my money. I, I think a, a, a Tuesday or a Wednesday night Buccaneer podcast at some bar doesn't sound too appealing. But a Monday night football hour before kickoff, okay. and then you talk Bucks, and then the rest of the show we talk uh, other scores, and then we preview the Monday night football game. You make a couple hundred dollars, you go home and you watch yourself well, a nice As long as you're my agent and you can uh, come through with all these promises, I'm in. And then, uh, I forget who it was that said, what about a post-game show? I said, if you are at Monday Night Football Party and you're there post-game, A, you're drunk as hell, and B, you're never making it to work, and even if you wanted to listen to a show, you're so passed out. Nobody makes halftime of a Monday Night Football game unless it's a local team. I've never done it. I'm not a... Monday Night Football used to be such an event in this, in this uh, country, Jake. And you know who ruined it? NBC and the NFL. And I know I've beaten this thing into the ground, but it deserves another beating to keep it rearing its ugly head. The prime matchup in the league used to be queued in on a Monday night. Correct. So even if your team blew on Sunday, even if you had a horrible day, you always said, well, God damn it, at least we got the Cowboys-Redskins on Monday Night Football 8-1 uh, and one against 9-2. and two. And seven two whatever, and NBC ruined that by poning up and getting the prime game for NBC's Sunday night package, which starts at nine thirty. You're so goddamn tired. You're in bed by nine. I'm in bed by ten. Who the hell can watch that game? It starts at nine thirty. You've been partying and drinking. Even if you haven't been drinking, you've been awake for eighteen hours. It, it, it does not start at nine thirty. My ass. It starts at nine fifteen. Eight eight thirty is the game. Get a man on it. Get it. Is, right. That isn't late to you. The game goes to 1 o'clock in the morning. Look, Who can do that? Monday Night Football growing up at 9 o'clock was hard enough. Right. 
first of all, you're going to school the next day if you're 16 or 17 years old. Otherwise, you're going to work. And but it was the prime matchup. Can yeah. we agree on that? My friends and I used to go out. Monday Night Football was at 9. We would go out about 7 o'clock. We would play an hour and a half of touch football in the lights of the parking lot or right outside where we lived. And then we'd, you know, if we, at that time we were old enough, so we'd go out and pick up our beer, we make our bets, and we'd go back to one of the houses and watch a game. Sure. But That's what we did. Did you make the whole game? If it was, if it was interesting. I, I would think at that time, I was probably in my mid-20s, probably, yeah. Now I don't, I, I don't have, unless the Jets are playing, unless the Buccaneers are playing, I really don't have an interest in watching the whole game. I make it to 10.30 halftime and all that. And that's it for me. But what was going on then when growing up, and people did not grow up when Monday Night Football started with the, oh. you know, three, the best threesome ever in the history of football. I know probably. where you're going with this. Uh, it was the only game in town on Monday. They didn't have a Saturday game. They didn't have a Thursday night game. They didn't have a Friday. They didn't throw in a Sunday night game as well. It was Sunday afternoon, 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock, if you lived in the east uh, coast of our country. And then a Monday night football. Everything was geared to you got that one prime game. And it was a, a prime matchup. It's it was all, always the two best teams. How well, they, it, they tried to. They tried to they schedule tried that way. There was some lemons along the way. It, was, it wasn't oversaturated. Now, that's a, don't get me wrong. I love the Thursday night game. I love, you know, Friday night football, even if it's college and Saturday all day college and then Sunday all day. I love it all. But Monday night Football growing up was incredibly special when you had, you talk about yourself. Some people loved you. Some people hated you. The bottom line is you want him to come back. Howard Cosell was split. I loved him. I loved his brilliance. I loved his comments. He was just a real dick, but I loved it. And he knew his football. He was a sport. He and Muhammad Ali were tied together during Muhammad Ali's prime time. So I loved the threesome of Dandy Don and uh, what's his name? Um, Howard Cosell and who was the... Uh, you're Don Mary, Howard Cosell, and Frank Gifford. And Frank Gifford. You're looking live at Soldier Field Chicago with it. the Los Angeles Rams and Dieter Brock looking and to take on Bob Evelini and the Chicago Bears coming up next. You couldn't duplicate it. They tried, uh, you know, when uh, Joe Namath became available, they threw him in there. Nothing ever can duplicate what I considered the best of the best, and they were the best three they ever had. But again, it's oversaturated now, and I do love it. Well, the one thing I thought you were going to there was as a fan of football in the 70s and even early 80s, I guess by 1980, ESPN had come along, was the halftime highlights. Even if you didn't give a shit about the two teams, you were there to watch your 17 seconds of Jet highlights. Maybe. Three or four highlights from the game. To New York, Richard Todd. Right there, it's Freeman McNeil. Nobody ever. 17, Brad, 6. Nobody ever did it better than Howard Cosell. I mean, and he just crushed it. Knocked it out of the park every Monday night. And to me, I would just... If I made the halftime highlights, I was happy as a clam because growing up in Chicago, again, Bears never played anything of any significance. They sniffed the playoffs but never went any deeper than one round. You did key it, though. Halftime was special for everybody. If you couldn't make it past into the third quarter, you watched halftime for exactly what you said. I, thinking about it, it was just the way he said, Soldier Field, you know, <laughs> Bears, here's McMahon. You, you hit it on the button. Speaking of which, hitting it on the button, how, what's the irony? And we're going to get his ass down here. Our friend, your friend and mine, John De Palma, who does the best Howard Cosell, he's been at all my big events, Super Bowl parties for the last, Super Bowl remotes for the last decade. I have a friend who equals it. He comes in in full yellow jacket. I mean, he's got the whole thing down. 
I'd love to see it Howard off. Is is a Howard off in New York or Sarasota? Dan Stevens, who used to be a main uh, morning guy at QYK when it was country back in the 1990s. Okay, Tampa then. Is uh, also a voiceover artist, and he does all these impersonations. His uh, Howard Cosell, Muhammad Ali combination is second to none. Fabulous. And he does a few others as well. Clinton, uh, Ronald Reagan. We did a, uh, the irony of, of John DePalma. He's always in the mood to come on this, and our schedules never line up. He lives a block away now. For the last year I've been here, he hasn't been here one time. But John I'm gonna, Obama lives a block yeah, he lives away that, from here. Right down the street. I did some electrical work at his house. Great guy, him and his lovely wife. He does a mean hour go sell. He does. We did a time machine one night. He, go for Greg and I, on the air. I, we kind of went back in time. He was Mike Tyson, Dean Martin, and I forget who the third one was, Georgie Jessler or something. And we were at Club Studio 54 in New York, and, and Greg and I were in character. He, uh, Greg and I were ourselves. He was in character, and it was the funniest thing. I said, hey, 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 he was Mike Tyson. This way. I go, Mike, is that it's Rita Marino over at the bar. Wait, that? Oh, I got to talk to her. I go, don't bother her. No, fuck, I'm going to talk to her. Hey, Rita, I'm Mike. The- she hit me. It was one of the funniest radio bits I've ever done in my life. <laughs> and he, he'll show up at these Monday night, uh, the, uh, well, the Monday night football gigs were made for Howard because he comes in the yellow blazer with the ABC on it. And he's just a great guy. And he is a good guy. Manny voices, I call him. He's he a man is, of he Manny. He's just plus he's obsessed with numbers. He's one of those number guys who he just has every number at the tip of his tongue. You know, the Yankees won the four seven four seven game. It was nineteen seventy two before the last time the team won it. So John DePalma, where are you? Get your ass down here. Here's a number for you. As the Rays went into Boston, kicked the shit out of the Red Sox. Maybe the Red Sox are done, but I never throw dirt on them. They got too much talent. The Red Sox go. In, the Rays go in there and sweep Boston. The first team. Listen to this stat, John. Ooh, the Red Sox? Yeah. The first team since the 66 Orioles to win eight games in Fenway in a single year. That's, That's the craziest thing I've ever that heard. Is, that is. That, that speaks to two things. Maybe the Rays have turned the, turned the switch on a little bit with these trades that they made. And B, that goes to show you maybe the Red Sox aren't as good as well, they thought they were. Think of it this way. They, since 66, it goes to show how good they've been for over 50 years. David Price is inconsistent, and Chris Sale this year. It's not just, look, if you look at DeGrom last year, 1.70 ERA, 10 and 12, or 12 and 10, whatever he was, he wins the Cy Young. Why? Because he was dominating in losses. All right? The bottom line is, I'm looking at Chris Sale, 5 and 11 or 5 and 12. You've watched him a bunch of time against the Rays. I've seen him against the Rays and the Yankees. Sure. He doesn't have his fastball, which was more like uh, uh, Randy Johnson was, you know, that sidearm, 97, 98 mile an hour fastball, is going at 92, 93. That is a big drop off, and it doesn't fear the hitters anymore. That's, and it's good news for Red Sox because they what, just locked him into an eight year deal. Unbelievable. Did you see the, the face on uh, Bryce Harper? It's, it showed him in the dugout like this, Jake. It was like a meme on, on uh, social media. It said, year one. It said, Zero, uh, last in uh, this, last in that, career low home runs, last place team, out of contention, year one of 15. What are they thinking? We went through this, uh, uh, we've touched this topic so many times. What are these teams thinking with any deal past six or five, five or six years? They're going to regret that in Philadelphia. He'll be more hated than Mike Schmidt by the time he gets I, out of there. I don't think. <laughs> they hate He was the greatest look, player ever. The, the pitcher is the biggest fear factor when you're doing a contract five years which i think the uh, the mets just paid 
uh, Degrom five years, but it, it is they are so much more injury prone because of the even though they don't pitch in the thirty five starts a year, maybe. Fact is, they're throwing hard. They're throwing curveballs. They're throwing changeups, arm angles. They're practicing. Right. They're, you know, they're on the pitcher's mound. They're they're doing their normal routines every single day. It takes its toll. More and more players are missing years or twos because of Tommy John. It's a risk when it comes to a pitcher. Would I give a ball player a 15-year contract? No. Would I give him a 10-year contract? No. But an everyday ball player, I would go five to seven years. Absolutely. Five to seven is, is realistic. Anything past 10 years is just anything it's, 10 or, or above it is just ridiculous. Past seven. I mean, if you're, but, if you're 25 in your prime, okay, maybe I can go eight. But if you're 30 years or 28 years old, you're going to go 12 years, 10 years. You're absolutely you're paying for the giving me four or five good years, and then the downhill slide starts. And in a town like Philadelphia, they're just going to be relentless. They're going to crucify this kid unless he comes out next year and wins the batting uh, yeah batting crown well, and five World Series. They're going to kill fickle. him. They go back and forth depending so on the year. So the good news for uh, Bryce Harper is they're going to hate him at his home park, and he gets 15 years of road trips into Washington, but they're re- going to kill him. Is it really 15 years he signed? It was that long? I think it's a 14 or 15 year deal. Remember, That's, he held out forever. No, I know that. It's a long. It's it's 12 plus. I think it's it said. I think that the, the quote was year one of 14. Him and Matt, and everybody was thinking collusion. What's going on here? Manny Machado and Harper, the two biggest, uh, you know, free agent guys out there. Well, you know, Harper got a lot of money, 325 or 350 from from San Diego, and Harper got about the same thing from Philly, but. Would I pay that kind of money? I, I, if I'm a ball player, do I want to be committed for that long? I like this. Give me If you're a star like Harper, you think you could probably get five years, $160 million. Right. Fourth-year options. So this way, if you're 26 years old, when you're 30 years old, you have your option. You have a great year. Instead of making whatever it averaged out before to, I don't know, 30 or $35 million, you can get now another five years at $200 million. So I think the shorter contract with the option with this large $160 million payoff is probably the best option rather than committing yourself to 12 or 13 years with one team at the same, you know, at one standard price. And we've talked about that, how, he, how long these guys, have, they sit there and wait and wait and wait for this deal. We thought, well, maybe the owners have said enough. Well, let's just, we're going to sit out. Nobody is going to give this guy 10 years. And here come the Phillies with gigantic money at 15, whatever the deal was. It was, it was an asinine deal that Washington couldn't have touched. So the bad news for, for Bryce Harper, Philadelphia fans are so forgiving. <laughs> and he gets to go into the hated now where he, was, he walked on water in Washington. They're going to crucify him. Well, all he can do is put up and play. I was shocked. We'll talk quickly in the Rays. We're coming up in an hour here. I was shocked. 13-year, by the way. 13-year contract, $330 million. Ah, chump change. Insane. All guaranteed, too, probably. A gigantic proportion. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Baseball players are guaranteed. I know. That's what we, we can talk about Askeel Elliott. He's holding out and Levy and Bell did because he wants to make more money, and I get it. I because get that, too. They only get a signing bonus that's guaranteed. After that, it's, you know, you don't make the team, you're at, off. At first, I was calling him a chump until I realized yesterday that it is year four of his deal. If he gets hurt, if he blows a knee out, his career's over. Yeah. So I don't know how long it's going to go, if he's going to pull a uh, Levy and Bell or not. I would think he would. Sit out the whole season? He made a lot of money already. I, of course, he could make Yeah. And you see, only- Jones is already posturing. We, you see, you don't need a rating. Cole, you don't need a rushing, uh, running leader well, to win you, Super Bowl. Now, now you're going to really piss him off by saying that. Well, he hasn't won shit since the, 20- the coaches that he had 
running the show. Ever since Jerry Jones has been in charge of the team, they've been good, but not any good. They've been okay. They've been I mean, above 500, playoff worthy. Yeah. Well, they won two playoff games in the last 20 well, years. I don't even th- I don't even know if it's that. I don't know even but, know if it's that is right. But as Keely Elliott is a phenomenal running he back, uh, Dak, Zach Prescott had a great rookie year, and, you know, he was last year was horrible. Yeah, I don't know. horrible. That's, I you, don't know if I'd buy stock in, in Dak Prescott moving forward. He could very easily fall off the cliff, as many quarterbacks do. Well, running backs, they, because of the pounding they take, especially the great ones, and that's why a lot of the great ones are in the Hall of Fame, even though you think they only played 10 years, or that's 10 unbelievable years as a running back, which is tough. Because if you're that, you're good the go-to guy, especially now in the mostly one-back situation, one-back running back, you're taking a pound. You're getting 25. And a lot of these guys do not go out of bounds all the time, which I don't blame when they do. They'll take it up, feel and pound you. And that's backed up with a lot of people saying, well, the running back position, they're a dime a dozen. They're easy to get. Well, how come we don't have one here in Tampa? They were going to go in the season with freaking Peyton Barber as their lead guy? Are you kidding me? They did. They, there was so many. There was David Johnson. There was Le'Veon Bell. There was a not much deeper than that, but they could have at least teased the Buccaneer Nation by saying we're going to at least try. They didn't even try. They have not addressed the offensive line or the running game. They're, it's almost like they're spearheaded. They're, they're uh, destined to have Winston doom, to, to have Winston fail, and I'm the last guy in the world to have Winston's support on this or feel sorry for him, but how the hell is he going to improve if you do nothing to help the guy? Here's a guy who has trouble getting rid of the ball. Well, uh, well get him a goddamn left tackle. Donovan Smith has legs. He's not much bigger than you, Jake. He's tiny. Not that you're a small man. You're a man of very great stature. I'm saying, don't you want your left tackle to be a fucking door? I want, I want be- him to be 389, 420 pounds. And move. And move. I'll tell you, a big... Uh, you're asking There's a, a Williams. Lot. Is it Eric? Not Eric Williams. He was an old cowboy. There's a Williams. Trent... No, he's not. There's a, he's a 71. He's a left tackle on the uh, Washington Redskins. I saw Phil. I broke down film with him earlier with Ron Jaworski. Hours and hours of video on him. He explodes everyone who comes near him. Pancakes him. Yeah, but that's a dime a dozen. I guess so. But I'm going to know who the guy who's shelling out the dimes. How come we didn't even draft a running uh, offensive lineman? Let me, let me throw this out. Where's ad? that big white kid from uh, Hofford State who was like 8'12"? Let's not bring race into this, okay? Well, why? <laughs> Us white people have been picked on enough, Jake. You and I stand together. Running backs, it's tough because you think of some great running backs and you look at their careers. Think of Steven Jackson who just re- or retired three or four years ago, but they really just announced it this sure. past week. Steven Jackson was a great running back for the Rams. That's where he started his career. But how many great years did he have? Maybe five? Right. I mean, I could pull up the stats. I'm just guessing five years and then it's slowly downhill. Who is the um There's no more the Emmett back- Smith. Who is the running back? Not Kurt Warner for Seattle. Sean um, Alexander. Sean Alexander Set was the a touchdown record. He was a freak for five years, and then he's gone. Right. Pre, uh, priest from uh, uh, pre, Priestley Priest from Kansas Judas City. Priest. No, come on. Priest Holmes. Priest Holmes is a phenomenal running back, and then he was gone after five years. Boom. Christian Akoya, the yeah. Nigerian nightmare, right there. <laughs> they they burn out fast, though, don't they? You, if you're a running back, I get. Especially a guy like Elliot. Why Gurley went for the money early in his career. Held up. You and Levy and Bell, give them credit. Look, I'm standing from my ground. I've made some money. 
But you know what? I deserve more. I can be out of this league in three years because of the pounding I'm going to take for you. He can I'm really catch the ball. I'm going to run the ball, and I'm going to make things happen. I think he's the X factor there in New York. It's, if he has a good season, that, man, that eases up the pressure on Sam Darnold to, yeah. to really lob it out there. But I get you can see and say, well, he signed the contract as Keel Elliott. He has uh, you know another year left after this. I think it is. Uh, I think it's a four-year contract. He's you know, overall he's going to okay, he had a so, signing bonus or whatever it was, fifteen million dollars. He's going to make a, after that another uh, twenty-five. He wants now another signing bonus I get for another $20 million, and he wants a guarantee at least the first year of in the $10, $12 million range. This is year three of year four yeah. of a four-year deal. So That's, he's halfway through no, his rookie. He, yes. This is – no, this no, no. Is, he's, he, getting, he's heading into his third season. I remember distinctly two years ago our fantasy draft. He, somebody took him number one, my buddy Ronnie. I'm like, are you crazy? Well, I was crazy because he won the league that year. All but right, I'll pull this how about, up. How about midway through a rookie contract, maybe right. honoring it? You are wrong. I'm wrong? 216. He had 322 attempts, 1,631 216. yards as a rookie. Okay, 5.1 average, TDs 15, receptions 32. 2017, only 242 attempts. I don't know if there was an injury there. Uh, 983 yards, 4.1 on average, 7 touchdowns, 26 uh, receptions. 2018, 304 attempts. 1,400 yards, 4.7 average, 6 TDs, 77 yards. I stand corrected. Seven, seven, 77 receptions, which is phenomenal. So he had 1,400 yards plus 77 reception. He probably had another, you know, whatever it was, 700 yards in receptions. You got any numbers that. on that rookie deal? I mean, they're generally pretty standard, like it's 3, a, 4 million. Yeah, something like that. Right. It tops off uh, maybe next year at $5 million. Right, where he, should, he wants tw- 15, 12 to 15. Well, he wants girly numbers. Girly man. <laughs> and, you know, and everybody's saying, I'm listening today to some of the uh Thank you very much. Gurley had a great year, and then, you know, he flopped in the playoff. But there were injuries involved. Now, is it injuries that is going to sustain him the rest of his career, or is it injuries that the offseason is taken care of? That is yet to be known. We, what else is yet to be known is our running back there, the, sec, the second-round pick last year, Rojo Jones, who's a bit of a wild card. Mel Kuyper called him the m- most explosive player in the draft. Love the name. Ro- loved the name, too. Loved his highlights. He was a human highlight reel at USC. He had a uh, <clears throat> 50 yards last year, Jake. 50. He had 50 fucking yards. But here's that's the bad news. The good news is this. He's put on about 8 to 10 pounds of muscle. He says he's adjusted to the speed of the NFL game. I don't know how you do that in the offseason, but he has. I guess he's played a lot of Madden or something. He's looked good so far. He looked very good early, but he's starting to come back down to earth. They say if he gets cut before the season starts, that could trigger the firing of Jason Light because that would be a second pick running back in the top three rounds in three years that's not even on the freaking team. That's how you get fired and that's how a team sucks for a long time. Second and third round picks, Jake, have to contribute to playoff teams, not get cut. I mean, you you don't have to be an uh, NFL expert to to figure out if you're blowing second round picks, you're not going to have a good team. There is no sport in all of, well, maybe baseball, but football as far as the results are quicker because you're going from college right into the NFL or you're being cut and picked up by another team where college, where in professional baseball, you're usually on a minor league team or you're playing college baseball, then you're playing minor league baseball. So college football relies on the draft more than anybody. If you think of, let's say they have 10 picks uh, three years ago, how many guys are left? If you have only one or two guys, bad draft. If you have seven guys, you've had a pretty damn good draft. Well, that's a seven out of 10 is an unbelievable ratio. You know, there's certain drafts and I don't mean to hammer on the GM, but it's, he's the guy picking the players. They've had certain drafts. Not one guy is not even on the NFL anymore. They've sure they hit the Mike Evans. 
Sure, they've hit the uh, yeah. Justin Evans, the safety they got out of Texas A&M that same year who's injured, who might be an actual little chess piece that they can trade. He hasn't practiced at all in camp. It's not a good sign. Speculation. But they could trade him because they're so they're so deep. They're not deep in talent. They're just deep in players and, and bodies at the safety and corner position. So who knows what's going to happen. I'll tell you what, though. It's going to be an interesting season because if Rojo doesn't, I can't see any situation. He'd have to really look bad in preseason because then the Buccaneers will go to the season with Peyton Barber and the, uh, what's his name, Ellington, not Duke, but the backup court, backup <laughs> running back. They have two backup third-string running backs from the Cardinals who basically weren't good enough to play on a horrible Cardinal team that might have been worse than the Bucks last year. So, again, if the Bucks didn't blow, here's, I'll, 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 Wrap this up in a nice little bow. They signed a, a their first top pick was the uh, Devin James out of LSU, right? They wouldn't have had to use that pick on a linebacker, and they could have re-signed Quan Alexander, who's just hitting his prime in the NFL after three years of working and working and working. San Francisco's hopefully gets the they, guy that they he, expect. He would have been re-signed as a Buccaneer, and they it could have used hit that pick, that number one pick, or a running back, or a top offensive lineman, or a top defensive lineman, had they known JPB was going to go nuts again, if they hadn't blown all their money on the two guys they got from the Eagles and Vinnie Curry and Bo Allen, maybe the biggest bust. There's $20 million right there. They blew $7.5 million on J.R. Sweezy. He's got a broken leg. General managers have to draft per scout's advice, but it's on them. And they also have to go into the free agent market and make the right decision. Jake. Yes, yes, last year was a complete bust. Five years he's been there, I believe. Maybe six, I could be wrong. He's got about a 25-80 and 80 record. Is that, is that going to float in New York? No. Would Jameis Winston be still a New York Jet? Uh, oh, come on, give me that. Don't I, give me that. He wouldn't be there still. No way. Depends on who they had available in the draft at the time. Well, they, if they were gonna, how many quarterbacks did they had before Darnold, who was their starter? Uh, Mark Sanchez. That's a long uh, time ago. Gino. Uh, Gino Smith. Gino Smith. Uh, they didn't give him much of a leash, did they? No. He came out of the draft from Florida State with big high no, no, attributes. He no. came from Buffalo. G- Gino was not Florida State. Where do you where did he come from? Was uh, West Virginia. Are you who's the who's the Florida State quarterback that went for, via Buffalo to? The Jets. It wasn't Geno Smith? No. Was it Geno's Pizza? <laughs> All right. Well, quickly, I want to talk about the Rays and Stu Zerberg. I'll give him some props. All right, give him props. I thought, no, well, here we go. Here. They've lost 30 of 50. They're playing like shit. Sternberg's going to use this and use the dwindling crowds at the re- end of the season to say, see, I told you we don't have any fans here. Yeah, well, you dominated the first half of the season. What's going on up there? Is it, is it in the water? But every player is hurt. I mean, Snell, having... Not a great season, but he's still the Cy Young Award winner. Problems with his elbow. Hopefully it's not that bad. Glasgow was looking at a rookie of the year pace and blows his arm out. We won't see him again. But I said two things. They need pitching, and they need a right-handed stick. And by God, what does Stu do? He pulls the trigger. He brings in Jesus Aguilar. He traded to Jesus. He got it, Jesus. I guess Jesus does save. This fat slob hit 38 home runs last year for the, for the freaking Brewers. And I wouldn't know him if he walked through the door. Unfortunately, he couldn't fit through the door. This guy, if the Bucks are looking for a left tackle, Jesus could move him across town. He's the heaviest player I've seen maybe since Prince, uh, Cecil Fielder. This fat slob? That's Look at what you, him. how you have to describe him? Look at him. He's, the, the Brewers I just pulled the pin on him like a Macy's Day float and floated him down to Tampa Bay. I'll tell you what, he had a bomb the other night at the Trop. Well, 
Almost went through the back wall. It's a one-dimensional player. You go from the uh, National League uh, without the DH to the American League with the DH, so it might be a good pickup. Well, that's right. I, I, I keep thinking the, the Brewers are yeah, still in the American yeah. League. And that's Astros a- are in the American League and not the National League. What? Yeah, either. cats and dogs sleep together. What was the purpose of that? To create know. rivalry I, between I, the Astros and the... And can't, the... I can't answer that. But I don't like it. Do you? I'm so used to it now. It doesn't matter to me. Oh, God. I You're mean, a conformist, look, aren't you? 1986, the Astros-Mets... You know, uh, NL Championship Series. A classic. Was a, was a classic leading up to another classic World Series. Do yourself a favor. It's weird to think that they're in the American League, but not anymore. It was. Do not yourself anymore. a favor. Yes. YouTube the Astros-Mets uh, series. Yeah. And take a look at that hideous, disgusting, dank, dirty, gross Astrodome. And tell me, the Tropicana Field, you can say what you want about Tropicana Field. It's the nicest dome stadium there's ever been. Yeah. And don't give me Toronto. That thing looks like a mausoleum. Well, Just because it's got the cool tower outside, sure. It's a retractable roof, though, in Toronto. Okay. So it's different. So there's, there's yeah, hands not- down, Tropicana Field is the nicest indoor dome stadium ever. Toronto was built like a cookie-cutter stadium with a retractable roof. Yeah. And I, I agree. I haven't been up there personally, but watching it, looking at it on TV, yeah, it looked exciting early in the, you know, when it was first built. Now it's it's they, a dead issue. Well, I do like this. And the Rays started this, this trend. You know the Rays were the first team ever— indoor uh, stadium to have a dirt infield. I loved it because that, that to me looks like a baseball field. I don't like the Astros as an infielder. I'd prefer it. They have adapted. They have progressed. As, have. Uh, you think the turf looks better. Put- it used to just like, yeah. it looked like light green paint. It's still in a concrete slab stadium. Yes. And it's, it's just, you know, but they brightened it up. They got advertisers at least. Although again, we've talked about this <laughs> naming rights. Tropicana Field plays, pays only $1.5 million a year when a Super Bowl f- commercial for Three, 30 seconds gets $5 million? That's crazy. It's Somebody insane. will step in. I'm telling you. All right, before we wrap this uh, fabulous uh, podcast up. Great show today. No Holds Barred with Ozzy and Jake. Remember, there's a couple of No Holds Barred on there, but you go uh, No Holds Barred with Ozzy and Jake. It's real simple. Just click and subscribe on any of the outlets, and it's right in your inbox the second it's uploaded. Geno Smith uh, is now playing for Seattle, by the way. He is West Virginia. Thank you very much. From 2009 to 2013. And then, of course, uh, tried to be a Jet quarterback, got injured. He actually beat the Bucs. I saw them, before, uh, I think, to, in, in his rookie year or second year. They played the Bucks at MetLife Stadium. I went up to the game, and Geno Smith led a drive. It was the opening game of the year, and Geno Smith led a drive at the end with his, with his legs to, for a winning, I think, field goal. Might and, have been a touchdown. And you, you've confirmed he's from West Virginia. Yes, who the hell's the seminal quarterback who wound up in the on the Bills? Well, Charlie Ward, uh, but he, he, always, up the he, he went to the NBA and played. Yeah, played reasonably well for the Knicks. Uh, I, I need to know that now. Before. Oh, you're t- oh, you're, th- this is after Geno Smith. Uh, Watson was it? No, not Watson. Uh, Bubba Taylor, Bubba? Taylor, uh, uh, Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor. He wasn't a quarterback at Florida State. Here we go. God damn it, Jay. We, we, <laughs> we can't get out of the show because we're Googling everything. Well, uh, I, I need to know, and I need to know now. You, the, you, the, the listeners at home can take another second of their day to enjoy it. Hey, I want to tell you quickly about Salty Jim's. Oh, Tyrod Taylor. Uh, oh. I lo- oh, Tyrod but, Taylor was a quarterback. I'm sorry. And I wanted to see him on the Bucks last year, and they, they fanned on him. Now he got cut loose by, by Kansas City since Mahomes is in charge. Virginia Polytech Institute and State University. That's where he went. He beat the shit out of the Buccaneers yeah. one day up in he, Buffalo. He did play at Virginia Tech, though. That was the uh, where uh, Geno Smith. Where what's his, yeah? No, no, no. Tyrod Taylor. Oh, I don't remember in college football. I remember he was short and he was good. Well, Tyrod Taylor still playing is now with the Chargers as a backup for uh, uh, what's his name Rivers. He should have been a Buccaneer. God damn it! How about Ta- Christian Ponder if you need him? 
There's your Florida State guy. He was a coach up at uh, right here in Sarasota. He, look, no, he, he wasn't. Uh, who was the, who was the, uh, I have no the Miami quarterback who won a, won a Heisman? That's that's a nice and a broad question. Ken Dorsey. Oh, I th- okay. Ken Dorsey. Not standby. God damn it. And Tortore- Tortorino, Tortorella, whatever his name is. He coached, I believe. He I worst, believe he's in hockey. The worst uh, Heisman Trophy candidate to win ever. Gino Tito. What was his name from Miami? I got the guy. Well, I'm waiting. E.J. Manuel. Okay. He was a Florida State You're quarterback. Right. He didn't right. wind up on the Jets, though, did no, he? he was on Buffalo. Where is he now? I have no idea. But who's the guy from... Um, he's, I think he's working at Wendy's down there. Who's the guy I just asked you about? What is wrong with me? Christian Ponder? No. Ken Dorsey? No. Joe Ferguson? Uh, one of the Mike Ken, Phipps? Ken Dorsey? Uh, oh, Bob Evelini. Bob. God, I, you know, Gopher Gino, Greg and I were talking about it. I'm like, whatever happened to Bob Evelini? I look him up. Eight DUIs. That's what happened to yeah, Bob Evelini. Bob, don't drive. Was it Gino Tortorella? Gino Smith. No, the guy who won the Heisman for Miami. Gino Capaletti. No. Miami. Gino Vanelli. Oh, you know what? Oh, I know you're talking about. He went to the Vikings and he was a complete bust. Uh, Well. Yeah, total bust. Honda went to the Vikings and had This guy went to the Vikings chance. too. Gino Miami. Tortorella. Gino well, Tortorella. When I said that, you made fun of me for calling the I same did. coach as Tortorella. I, saw, I apologize. In hockey. I apologize. Are you sure it's Well, that? you see, the Italians are not known for their skills on the football. Hey, you know who died? A great Italian, a great American, Len Bonacani died. Yeah, a great player. Great guy. Didn't, wasn't his son handicapped? Don't know. But yeah, I, he was. I think he was. He was on the original inside the NFL. He was. And he raised millions of dollars I for him. his handicapped son and charities surrounding that. I love great Nick guy. Bonacani, he just seemed like a great guy. And I'm no Dolphins fan, but I, I as a Floridian, it, you got to respect the old uh, 72 Dolphins. I thought he was older. I didn't realize he was only 78. I thought he would be older. John Capaletti. Oh, John No, Cap- no, 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 no. He's the running back. Gino Toretta. Gino Toretta. Okay. It was not Tortorella. It was close. You, get, you both get points. The worst... Heisman Trophy winner ever in the history of college football. Ooh, that's a that's he a was, strong statement. He was it was his team. He had not. He was horrible. Who was the coach of that team? I better think of Butch Davis. Probably. No, it was Larry Coker. That. Yeah, might have been Johnson. Oh hell no! He was long gone by then. Gino. How about Steve Walsh if you need him? Gino. Former Buccaneer. How about Craig Erickson if you're throwing it, if you're scoring at home? Toretto's. You know, people want to crack me up for ta- for uh, going after number three up there in Tampa. Hey, Betty, I've seen them all, and I supported them all. Vinny, G- throwing Samoan, Dilfer, Craig Erickson, Casey freaking Weldon. How about Josh Johnson if you need him? Mark Vlasic's in the corner. I mean, I was behind all of them. Byron Leftwich was a quarterback here. He had the biggest, lo- slowest windup since Bob Feller. Just a... And here's another thing, just a hop, skip, and a jump back to the Buccaneers. I did not know this. I found out in the Andy Kramer piece. Oh, He's not going to be calling the plays this year. First time in his career. I'm not happy with that. He was brought here to run the offense, and he's got Leftwich calling the plays. Are you happy with that? I'm not. Leftwich got run out of Arizona because he sucked. He sucked as a quarterback here. He had a good, he had a good career in, in Jacksonville. I mean, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and I think it's kind of creepy and I- ironic that Clyde Christensen rears his ugly head after he got to run the hell out of Tampa with Dungy back in freaking what? Ought two. Ought one. I think it was Dennis Erickson was his Oh, coach. good call. Who right. just recently died. Oh. I believe he's dead. 
Well, all right, here we go again. Just well, put a man on it. I, I, I believe he died. Seven. Whatever happened to Miami? Whatever happened to Florida football? Although the Gators in the top ten. Well, that beginning. Can of the we get season. together and watch some goddamn uh, college football maybe this year? Or you have a Saturday platform as well. I'll give you whatever you want. Ah, that's my buddy Jake. That is my friend Jake Jacobson, and I think that's going to close out the show. Get it, Coley. Hope you enjoyed the program. Uh, um, Wikipedia still has him uh, born in 47 uh, and is 72 years old. Oh, well, then he's alive and well. We're going to have a show next week. Hey, I wasn't BSing you. I spoke with Don Cricky's son. Sure you did. Don Jr.? Yeah. No, he's, he's, he's a broadcaster as well. Yeah. Don is all about coming on the show, just locking in a yeah, time and a date. Don Cricky, you think I'm bullshitting you. It's Don Cricky will be on the show along with liners to be sent afterwards. You're listening to Don Cricky. Live from Jack. What was the what was the stadium in, in San Diego? Jack Murphy Stadium. Jack Murphy Stadium for the Dodger Chargers and Raiders. Stay tuned for this all new message from Gillette. Give That's me a little past summer hall, isn't it? Give me some music. I'll give you a little bit of music. And I will tell you this. I went to uh, Jack Murphy Stadium to watch uh, a Mets series back in, uh, again, in the mid-80s when the Mets were How was you know, it? charging away. It was a phenomenal place to watch a uh, baseball game. It's It was set up. I, I loved it. It was a game that Gary Carter hit three home runs. Wow, that we was a long time season. ago, wasn't it? And we went to the San Diego Zoo. Right with Joan Embry, with my friends who were, went to this California trip. We were in San Diego. I, I, I you know, I was probably in my twenties. It was had to be in the eighties during the heyday. Howard Johnson was the um, maybe thirty years old. Howard Johnson. Oh, Joe. No, it was before I married Emma. It was probably I was probably twenty-seven or twenty-eight. Howard Johnson. I met him at the San Diego Zoo. He was amazing. We sat there and talked for a half an hour about Met baseball. It was great. That's great, man. And then I went to. I, then I saw a game that Gary Carter hit three home runs. The Mets were just dominating then. I guess it was 80, probably 85. Just so maybe it was even the 86. On the cusp of the 86 season. It was, it was fucking great. Oh, I said the word. Sorry. Okay, hey, man. Knock hey. it out. Well, can't find the usual close. Maybe it's time to update it anyway. Who don't love the Stones? Right, right, right a second close to the, not a close, but a second to the Beatles. I, my Stones theory is this. The Beatles are the greatest. The Stones are still playing in it's 2019. What? You can't uh, argue that. Yeah, my one, friend can you? saw him last week. How was it? He said it, they're old. He had great seats. He said they are really old, but they are great. I'll tell you what. Keith Richards has worn a headband for the last 20 years. Put it back on Keith. He's bald back to here, and he looks like an 80 year old man, Jake. If a piece of cloth can make you look 30 years younger, wear it. He looks old. Doesn't care. He loves to do his thing. And well, God damn it, I care, and I want to see a cool Keith Richards if I'm paying two seventy five to sit in the upper deck. The biggest you talk about miracles in this lifetime. Keith Richards still alive, and I say it in a in a humorous way, but it is it is almost amazing. And it, the thing is that he still still looked cool until last week when he's decided I'm going to take his, his headband off. I don't need this fucking thing. Keith, you look. With the headband on, you look a cool 50. Without it, you look 112. You're a bag lady. All right, Jake Jacobson. Thanks for coming in, buddy. Thanks, Oz. Good to see you. Great to see you as well. This show flew by. It's always fun. It's always informative. It's a little kooky. It's a little wacky. Kind of like Jake and I. Yet we managed to mull our way individually and collectively through life with moderate to little success. Now we're very successful, beautiful people. Well said. All right. Go to the iTunes store. Go to Anchor. Go to Spotify. Go anywhere that podcasts are available. And no holds barred with Ozzy and Jay Jacobson. For Jake, I'm Ozzy. See you next time right here on No Holds Barred on the Ozzy Radio Network.